So um, I thought I'd talk about this, this document a little bit because um, it's got some fascinating stuff in it. And it's funny because I walked in, I was looking for a copy of it because I, I, I don't, haven't really got it memorized completely. So I thought I'd, I'd read the bits I'm going to read. And, and you'll notice that there are copies of it sitting right on top of the, of the um, sutra book box. So I think what's going on is they're actually using this in the current practice period as a sort of primary text for chanting and stuff. So um, this document was written by this guy, Dogen, who some of you have probably heard of. But basically, he was the founder of this Zen school in Japan in the 13th century. Um, and the, the way it happened was he was kind of a kind of an adjunct to the court when he was a kid. He was related to somebody who was at court, and his, his mom was a famous sort of um, courtesan. And, and so he was raised in the imperial court um, up to a point. And then his mom died, and, and they didn't really know what to do with him, so they sent him off to a monastery. Not a Zen monastery, a Tendai monastery, which is a, another very large Buddhist school that was founded in China pretty early on in the history of Chinese Buddhism, right? Um, and he studied diligently and so on, but basically he was just really a pain, right? He was arrogant and really smart and asked um, vexing questions and, um, and so on and so forth. And finally, his teacher at the Tendai place was like, you should go study with this other guy. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a Zen teacher. He was the it was not this school, but the Rinzai school, the other large Zen school, had just um, a guy had just gone to China and studied that and had brought back some of the teaching. And so he went there, and that guy died. But his his successor, um, you know, after working with Dogen for a bit, he was like you know what we should do? We should go to China. <laughs> so they got on a boat and they went to China and they, they traveled around. And I think the other guy died too at that point. But, um, but Dogen finally bumped into a teacher in a, a, a sort of mountaintop monastery. Or it's a, they're small mountains, actually. They're not particularly big. But at a monastery that's kind of near the present-day town of Ningbo. And... Um, he met this teacher and he was, he felt, you know, um, happy and satisfied and inspired and so on and so forth. And finally he was like, okay, I'm going back to Japan and I'm going to bring this stuff back to Japan. And he went, he went back to Japan and, you know, he was like, hey, I've been studying this Zen stuff. It's really great. And they all, nobody wanted to hear it. <laughs> Um, because, you know, there was a big Buddhist establishment and they were all doing fine, thank you, and they didn't want to hear anybody else's stuff. So he, um, he kind of left town and he was out living at a country monastery on a big lake near Kyoto. And, um, and he decided that he needed to write a, write a couple of manifestos. So he wrote, he, he wrote one document called Everybody Should Be Sitting Zazen. Right? Um, and then he wrote another one that's basically 
It's called The Wholehearted Way. That's one way of translating the title. And it's called the Bendawa. Um, and what it is, is it's a Dharma talk. And this, this part is the Dharma talk, right? And then the, the bulk of the document is a fake Q&A session where he, he um, writes down all the questions or, or criticisms that people made to him while he was trying to explain to them why they should study Zen. And he gives a long series of incredibly snarky answers to them, which is really, really great. And it's definitely worth reading. He says things like, um, you know, even though it's said that it's really stupid to give, you know, like rowing equipment to people that live in the mountains, I'm going to answer your question. <laughs> or, you know, and, and other stuff like that, right? He's really, he was, he's incredibly snarky about it. He calls people heretics and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, the the Dharma talk is not as inflammatory. And 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 um, and I thought I'd read you some segments of it and then and talk about what's going on there because it's it's pretty fascinating. Right? So the first paragraph, um, you can you can also get his style. He's very um, sort of elliptical and poetic and and um, and dramatic, right? So he says, now, all ancestors and all Buddhas who uphold Buddha Dharma have made it the true path of enlightenment to sit upright practicing in the midst of, of self-fulfilling samadhi, right? Um, and, and he says, those who attained enlightenment in India and China followed this way. It was done so because teachers and disciples personally transmitted this excellent method as the essence of the teaching. Right? So, so you can you can see what he's doing there. Like he's saying, "Hey everyone, this is the original Buddhism." Right. So he's kind of an originalist. Right. And 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 the if you look back over the history of, of Buddhism in general, um, somebody has been saying. Hey, this is the original Buddhism. Pretty much since about a hundred years after the, the, the life of Buddha, and every fifty years for you know the next you know two millennia or something like that, right? But um, but here, but this is Dogen's version. And and then the other thing that he says it's fascinating. He says, "Sit upright, practicing in the midst of self-fulfilling samadhi." Right. So that's a that's a um, Phrase in in um, in Japanese that that he uses to talk about the the particular kind of form of engagement that he recommends in zazen, right? And it's you know kind of like what we were doing just now, but it, it, the in Japanese it's uh, something like jichuyu san zanmai, right? Which essentially means self receiving using concentration. Right, so, so, like that's it could be a little confusing, but it's actually really straightforward. What he's saying is, uh, essentially, the window <laughs> that you have to look through in order to practice in this way is the window of the self. It's the body and the mind. Right, um, you're we're we're all built that way, and there's nothing else we can do about it, basically. So. You receive the um, the activity of the self, and you you use it in your 
in your um, in your efforts to to concentrate the mind and and you know settle down the body and so on and so forth and 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 that's it that's the practice right um, so um, and and that's that's kind of a um, that's that, that in some ways is is his main innovation right um, you know other other people said similar things in the course of the the development of Zen, you know, through the Tang Dynasty and into the Song Dynasty, and so on. He he lived and was and was taught in China right at the, kind of the end of the Song Dynasty, right? So the Zen it, at that point in China was pretty mature, and the the teachers that he admired were people that you know kind of talked in this way, right? But he but he's very specific about it. He says, you know, the, it's the it's the concentrated state of receiving the world through the self and 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 you know you know negotiating with it using it employing it you know being with it right um, and then he, so then he continues he goes in the authentic tradition of our teaching, it is said that this directly transmitted straightforward Buddha Dharma is the unsurpassable of the unsurpassable. And he says, for the first time, from the first time you meet a master, without engaging in incense offering, bowing, chanting Buddha's name, repentance, or reading scriptures, you should just wholeheartedly sit and thus drop away body and mind. Right? So in other words, all of the you know, the sort of ceremonial activity and um, and and so on and so forth that that people do in Zen monasteries is kind of a it, well you know, it's not, it's not, it's inessential, let's put it that way. The, the main point is you sit in this way, self-receiving and, and employing samadhi, and your, 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 the world, your, your sort of model for yourself that you'd, you've been holding on to, the model for the body and mind that you've been holding on to for your entire, entire life will, um, he says, drop away, will sort of stand out of the way and allow this other mode of being to sort of arise, right? And that's the... And he says, that's, that's the, the unsurpassable of the unsurpassable, and that's how you do it, basically. Um, so... That's the that's the first the first part, and he he expands on this a bit. Um, in other documents, he says, um, famously in this in this document called the um, Genjo Koan, he says, "To study the way is to study the self, self self receiving, right?" Um, and then he says, "To study the self in this way is to forget the self, right?" So. Um, Drop off body and mind, right, and and to forget the self is to be awakened by everything, right. And so here's what he says in this document. It's fascinating. He says, because earth, grass, trees, walls, tiles, and pebbles all engage in Buddha activity, those who receive the benefit of wind and water caused by them 
are inconceivably helped by the Buddha's guidance. So he's saying, you know, so we're sitting here um, and on the, on the out-breath, taking in what was going on. And so presumably we were hearing the, the noise from the street and maybe, you know, or maybe seeing something on the tatami or feeling something in the body or something like that, right? Um, what he's saying is that all of those things, the, the, the wheels of the cars on the streets, the, the you know, glimmery spot on the tatami, etc. He, he says, they all engage in Buddha activity and, 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 and they indirectly or directly inconceivably help practitioners um, by the Buddha's guidance, like, you know, splendid and unthinkable, right? That, that's amazing. In other words, he's saying um, everything is, is teaching the Dharma. <laughs> and the, um, that, was a, that was a trope in the, um, it kind of in the in Song Dynasty Buddhist thought, and people argued about it a lot. And, but really, literally, a couple of hundred years before, it was, it was, that would have been considered heresy, right? The, 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 it, or particularly like um, the, the, in the Theravadan um, sort of Pali canon, but even in the, in the, in the sort of Chinese literature of the, of, of the earlier period, and pretty much everyone was like, no, the, it's, you know, it's, the, it's sentient beings that can understand and, and preach the Dharma, right? And he's saying this really radical thing. He's saying everything is engaged in Buddha activity. Wow, amazing, right? Um, so when you, um, when you, you know, hear a car driving down the street, somewhere in the confluence in that, you know, in that, you know, you could argue like, where's the boundary here, right? Not so where's the boundary in terms of your body, but where's the boundary in terms of mind, right? Like there's this, um, there's this energy arising in the world and it, it contacts this complicated sensory array that we have and, and, and it brings a model, a model of reality into, into being, right? Where, where do you draw the line and say, this is out there and that's in here? You, it's, it actually isn't very easy to do, right? And so basically, you know, there's a bunch of different ways of looking that, at that, but one of them is that, that all the things of the world are engaged in Buddha activity, right? Um, because we are all engaged in it. Um, which is kind of marvelous, right? So, um, anyway. He says, those who receive these water and fire benefits spread the Buddha's guidance based on original awakening, right? And because of this, all those who live with you and speak with you will obtain endless Buddha virtue and will unroll widely inside and outside of the entire universe, the endless, unremitting, unthinkable, unnameable Buddha Dharma. That's pretty, um, that's pretty dramatic, right? But, um, but, but again, 
what he's saying. He's saying to be here, to receive the, well, let me, let me ask you this. Um, when, when you, let's, let's sit for 10 seconds, right? Um, and and just while you're sitting for that 10 seconds, really just attend to what impinges on your awareness. What what are you aware of um, for 10 seconds? Here, I'll, I'll set a timer. How's that? <laughs> because we can. <laughs> See? Yeah. Um, zero minutes. Ten seconds. So who wants to who wants to say what they're aware of? Go ahead. Noise coming from that direction, a little twinging in my lower back. Yeah. Pressure on the curves of my feet. Yeah, exactly. That's wonderful. Yeah. Who else? Go first, you and then you. Go ahead. Yeah. Awesome. And you? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I you know, I mean it's it's pretty clear what's going on, right? The self is largely made up out of made up from sensation and perception, right? Like you know, we're we're it we we exist and and our 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 selfing, our subjectivity is primarily engaged with um, the sensations of the body, the sensations that are coming in through our the, our sensorium, and and in the in the scheme that was cooked up to kind of describe human subjectivity in the sort of last part of the of the you know pre-common era, like the few hundred years BC. Um, they they lump thinking right in with you know uh, hearing seeing touching et cetera et cetera so uh, but but mo but the bulk of it is is sensory right um, and the and the the for the most part the realm that we inhabit is the realm of the senses right and and so so what that means is that. It's it's really our our engagement with the things of the world, moment by moment, that's that's bringing the world into being for us, basically, right? Um, and in view of that, again, you know, 
when you're when you're receiving when you're receiving that, um, the world is speaking to you, and 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 it's you know helping you create this model for the self and model for the world, and place your model for the self in the model in the model for the world. Um, that's what we do every single moment, right? Um, and our usual mode of engagement with that is this kind of um, this one where we think of our, our ourselves as as separate and as and as having a kind of separate agency and 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 some usually some some urgency or or program that we want to execute, right? That what he's what he's saying is. Um, you can drop that, right? Where does he where does he say this? Um, yeah, just wholeheartedly sit and thus drop away body and mind, right? So you can you can drop that and allow this other mode of of engagement to come up that just that engages with a you know not not wholly unmediated but substantially less mediated way with the things of the world right and and where the the boundary between self and other the the um the underlying kind of emotional drivers of our of our um, self narration self construction and rumination though they're less important in that other mode and and what mainly lives there is this kind of unconditioned appreciation just for the fact of being alive. Um, and so he says in, in, that, in the Fukan Zazengi, his other manifesto, he says, you don't learn anything from sitting. It's just the gate of repose and bliss or ease and joy. Right? Um, that's what it's for. So... That's about all I had to say. Does anybody have any questions about that? <laughs>